Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me, Emily Schiltz. Emily, how you doing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I just waited for a long time to say hi, so it was like a hi. I, like, I paused on purpose right there <laughs> oh, to like you? throw you off a little bit. I kind of like to throw juke moves on you every once in a while. <laughs> you're staring at me intently moves. every time we do this <laughs> intro for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm waiting for my cue. And you're like, waiting, 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 go for it. I just thought maybe you would jump the gun like if you would I say- didn't. You said something like, I'm great before I even asked you, how are you? Right. And then maybe I throw a different question in there or something. Yeah. What would happen if I threw a different question in there one day? I would be ready. <laughs> let's try it. Why don't you ask me a different uh, question? All right. Let's see if we can try this. Um, hello and welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey Blackburn and I'm your host. Joining me, Emily Schiltz. Emily, what's going on? Nothing much. That was pretty good. That was really good. I, you know, what truly really says I couldn't think in the moment of a good question. It's it's pretty close to uh, how are you? Uh, that, it's a little bit too close. Right. A little bit too close. Yeah. But, but I'd be ready. I'm ready anytime. Well, we're really glad to have all of you guys listening to today. We have yes, an incredible interview today. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the person that we're interviewing today, I thought we would talk a little bit about musicals. Yes. Let's because do it. I am a huge musical fan. Are you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. My Should... probably because of my mom. My mom mm-hmm. is um has always my, both my mom and dad are very musical and okay. my mom always watched music, musicals uh as we were growing up and uh she always had us in front of them and it was just it was kind of mother bond mother son bonding time, yeah. you know? It yeah, really I feel good. like I should anticipate you singing into your mic at some point during this intro. You might want to anticipate that because with musicals we will, but I want to ask you first, what is your favorite musical and why? My favorite musical is, I don't know if it's called Oliver or Oliver Twist. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's about Oliver Twist. The musical is Oliver and the book by Charles Dickens is Oliver Twist. Yeah, absolutely. Oliver is my absolute favorite musical. What is that? Do you remember what that's about or is it just you like the music? What it's about? Yeah, yeah. the storyline. So Charles Dickens is actually my favorite author. That's true. You do have a lot of I Charles Dickens I love Charles Dickens so much. So genuinely, Oliver Twist is my, f- mm, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. It's in my top three yeah. favorite books along with Little Women and Jane Eyre. Um, I like classic novels, obviously. Yeah, right. Classic but literature. I remember specifically the first time I ever read Oliver Twist. I think I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college, and I stayed up all night reading it. All night, <laughs> literally straight up. And you, all was night it like an assigned Twist. reading? No, or you just decided you <laughs> yes. were going to stay up all yeah. night. Yeah, um, I remember my mom coming in my room in the morning, and she's she knocks on my door because my light was still on. So she was like, "Is she still up? Like it's really early in right. the morning." And she found me like almost in the exact same <laughs> position in my bed reading as when she had gone to bed the night you before. You were riveted. It I was. was. It's such it a good book. You in. That see, you know what? I think our world would be a much better place if we had people who would just for the fun of it stay up all night reading yes, books. It's true. You know what's an interesting thing? Totally off topic, not on top of not musicals, on musicals whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But again, my mom. This is like featuring my mom today. No, hey, my Brenda. mom is not the guest. <laughs> Brenda is not the guest today. <laughs> Although she'd be a good one. Um, she used to lead our like kids ministry when I was growing up. Okay. And th- we had a kids ministry like activity one weekend or something where it was an it was a lock in. Okay. But it wasn't called a lock in. It was called a read in. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So you guessed it. Instead of doing all the lock-in crazy fun activities all night, it was like uh, like time slots of reading. And we had cots. And I think my wow. mom was trying to promote literacy in yeah. the good old city of Birmingham, Alabama. Right. I think that's what was going on. But back to the topic of musicals. Yes. You love Oliver Twist. I love Oliver Twist. I was also in that musical in high school. Okay. And I was one of Fagin's boys. And it's like literally one of my favorite roles I've ever played because I got to be like a boy with no manners on stage for the whole show. <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> so. You didn't you didn't play the part of like, what, what is it? Is it, please, sir, can I have some more? Right. Is that what it is? Yeah, but that is Oliver and I was not that was, Oliver. You didn't, that was Oliver. No, I was a pickpocket. Oh, very nice. Very really nice. Speaking of pickpockets, mm-hmm. my favorite musical is Newsies. Okay. The Newsies. You have forced me to watch that before oh i have you're right (laughs) and it is quite possibly like if someone would cast me for any role in the newsies Mm -hmm. i would die a happy man yeah it would be the greatest any role doesn't matter as long as i could dance and sing and um i i can't really do either of them very well but (laughs) as long as i could be on that cast and dance and sing it would be awesome i love all of it but musicals i love them all yeah and what's really cool is i would have never guessed this before I met Christy, but she is a huge fan of musicals. Is she? We went to Les Mis mm-hmm. here in Indianapolis. Okay. And she was like on the edge of her seat, literally singing all of them. That's really Like sweet. all the songs. And so like there was like one part where uh, she's like, I could hear, she was getting so excited. I could hear her over like what was going <laughs> on. And I'm sure the people around us could hear her over. And I'm like, babe, like, yeah. I, I know you're really excited about this, but... That's it was really fun. awesome. I love musicals. But yeah. the reason we brought it up is because our guest today is from the great state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma has a musical about it. It does. Oklahoma, where the wind goes sweeping across the plains. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> that was good. That was <laughs> really, I don't know any of the rest of it. but Where the waving wheat something sure smells sweet and the wind comes right behind the flames. <laughs> that was really terrible but oh uh, no but this is why we we're not in musicals are now so <laughs> ecstatic about this guest like yes absolutely. honestly feel a little bit fangirlish about it mm-hmm. you sorry. are fangirling just yeah to i am yes. yeah just to be clear not even you <laughs> i am uh, we we are fangirling here at the the office. We are fangirling about it because he would be considered one of like what we consider like the godfathers of the modern church. I think. Okay. And yeah, I um, see that. his name is Craig Rochelle. So if you are around uh, ministry world, pastor mm-hmm. world, conference world, any of that stuff, uh, leadership world, you know Craig Rochelle. Yes. Um, incredible, incredible man of God. Incredible family man. Incredible pastor. He's been kind of the like a hero of pastors to a lot of those of us who my age kind of got into ministry and started watching his ministry reach as many people as, as what he's reaching. But they are in uh, their their main campuses in Oklahoma. They've got lots of campuses all over Oklahoma. But listen to this. They have um, 30 campuses now in eight states. Dang. 30 campuses in eight states. Like their church is spread across eight states, which means they have... 70,000 people going to a life church. That's That's the name of the church, Life Church. And he started this church in 1996 out of a garage. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, I thought starting in a living room was humble beginnings, but, like, the living room wasn't even like, and I was like, no, you guys go to the garage. (laughs) Yeah. Earlier, Megan said, grassroots from a garage, and I said, garage roots. Garage roots. Yes, garage roots. That's like a whole nother, man, it's unbelievable. So we're just... I don't even know if I can say enough 
to say how excited we are about having him on the, the podcast, but he just recently wrote a book called Hope in the Dark. Mm. And it's different than some of his other books he's written. He's written over 10 books and, you know, they're all, you know, fantastic. But most of them are on like, um, you know, your, your, your walk with the Lord, just kind of like standard Christianity type books, you know, Christian living. And, and then there's a lot of them on leadership as right. well and pastoring. But this is kind of a unique one. It's one of the first ones he did fully concentrating on the idea of walking through pain and suffering. Mm. And so I'm really excited about having this conversation with him. Yeah. We've got a lot of cool conversations, I'm sure, coming up mm-hmm. in this podcast. So lots to listen to, lots to be expectant for uh, as a listener. But before we hop into that interview, um, just have our normal uh, housekeeping fun things to share <laughs> with you guys about how you can be involved in the podcast. Um, that's a question we actually get a lot, yeah. um, is how can I be involved? Even even when it comes to volunteers in our church, Resonate mm-hmm. Church, uh, people are starting to ask, how can I be involved in the podcast because right. it's impacted my life? And so want to share with you, our listeners how you guys can be involved in the podcast. Um, And one of those things that I would encourage you with is to rate and review online. I know it sounds super simple and maybe doesn't seem super important, but let me tell you why rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast medium you're listening to this on is super helpful to Mm -hmm. our ministry. The first one, you've probably heard us say this before, is um, that it puts the podcast higher up into like the rating feeds. Mm-hmm. So other people are able to see this, um, more hope in people's headphones. But the second thing, honestly, is that it, it encourages us <laughs> to keep doing this podcast because we're hearing your guys' stories through your ratings and reviews. And so today I wanted to share um, one review that we recently got um, just to encourage you, other listeners, and mm-hmm. because it was encouraging to us. So listen in. (laughs) It says, I grew up in the church, but never really had a personal encounter or relationship with the Lord. With the pressures of life and having a family, I had gotten very lazy about my spiritual life. And I had recently been struggling with how could a God who loves us so much allow such evil things to happen in this world. But after listening to you and your guests, it completely changed my thinking. I was in awe of how much you and your guests still love the Lord in spite of what you had been through and all the goodness that God brought out of the tragedies. I'm currently training for the trial I am not yet in. I'm so thankful that I finally started listening to this podcast. It's inspiring to listen to someone who genuinely loves the people that you're trying to reach. I'm praying the Lord continues to bless your efforts. Wow, that's cool. Super encouraging. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is one of the things that... Um, Honestly, I was a little bit concerned about when we started, you know, a podcast on the topic of pain was, right. you know, people were going to be averted to it because they were like, oh, I don't want to, if I, there's like this misnomer that if we think about it or talk about it or something like that, then something bad's going to happen to mm-hmm. us. But as long as we don't think about it and we don't talk <laughs> about it, then we can avoid pain. And that right. is a misnomer because at the end of the day, we all are going to go through pain no matter yeah. what. It's not, uh, it's not, there's no like superstition around it. It's mm-hmm. just, and, and honestly, on this side of things and now walking into whatever pain that is in the foreseeable future or the not foreseeable future in my life, I would rather um, kind of be prepared and have a voice, uh, voices of people in my life who have already walked through it and right. they can help me train for the trial that I'm not yet in. And so this is an excellent resource for people, I believe, just walking through life, not someone who necessarily finds himself in a valley right now. Yeah. And so, you know, along with rating and reviewing 
the podcast, if you would share it as well, yes, share it with people definitely. who maybe are going through something. It is a very timely share with someone who is going through something. We I can't tell you how many times we hear people talk about that, but it's also really good to share it with other people who aren't yet going through something. Yeah. Um, because I think the things that what we've found over the past, you know, almost couple of years of doing this is that there's just really good, rich truth in all these interviews. Yeah. And people are pointing us closer to Jesus, whether we're walking through a trial or not. Yeah. And so what a really cool thing. Also, if you'd like to be involved, you can also give. Um, it really helps us to continue this ministry. If you give, you can give a tax-deductible uh, donation, a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Mm-hmm. Just go to davyblackburn.com slash give. And um, and we'd love to to have your support in that way if this is really blessing you and benefiting you. And um, we just love having you guys part of the community. Can't wait for this interview. Definitely. Let's hop in because I can't wait any longer for your interview <laughs> with Craig Rochelle. Pastor Craig, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, Pastor Dave, I'm uh, honored to be on with you, man. Man, we have followed you for a long time. I mean, obviously, anybody in my world who kind of comes up in ministry, but especially coming up in, you know, came up, cut my teeth in ministry at New Spring Church, got to follow your leadership. We soak in all things Craig Rochelle leadership, and you have a lot of uh, books that you've put out there about life and leadership, but you've just released this book that's a little bit different in nature. And uh, it comes kind of from a personal place for you, Hope in the Dark. Um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about kind of the inspiration or the impetus behind this this book. Well, uh, David, this this book originally wasn't supposed to be a book. It was was born out of a letter to um, a dear friend, a lady who works in my office, uh, Adrienne Manning. She and her husband, Danny, were trying to conceive for um, some time. And uh, when she did, it was pretty obvious. She didn't have to tell me. She like you know bounded into the office and, yeah. and all smiles. And so we uh, we celebrated that. And then uh, a bit later, when she came in the office, it was a totally different demeanor. She she had obviously lost a child, mm-hmm. and uh, she was young in her faith at the time, and was was really rattled, wondering why God would allow this. And I didn't want to try to answer. You know, I'm, I'm, it's above my pay grade to give a reason as to why those things happen. But I did want to kind of give her permission to still believe, even in the middle of the doubt. So I wrote a letter, and it it kind of grew and grew and grew quite a bit. And um, I ended up giving it to her, and she and her husband read it, and it s- seemed to make a real difference. And so I thought, thank you, God, that you know that assignment's been fulfilled. And I, I left that letter just sitting on my computer, and it sat there for years. Uh, then one day, right before my second daughter, Mandy was going to get married, she came down with mono and it was kind of a disappointment because we knew it was going to complicate the wedding and the honeymoon, but we, it wasn't that big of a deal. We thought two, three weeks, four weeks, she'd get over it. Well, she never got over it. Um, she, in fact, it got a lot worse and, and it's now not mono, but other things. And so she just could not and still cannot function in a normal way whatsoever. Mm. Uh, there was a time where she couldn't leave the house. Then when she was able to leave the house, she might be able to go to church. You know, she wouldn't be able to stand through worship. She'd have to sit the whole time. And then she'd recover the next day in bed and not get out of bed the whole day. Wow. So you got a you know young, precious girl who was vibrant and serving Jesus. And the next thing you know, she's um, in, a, in a really, really bad place. And so in my own pain... Uh, I decided to go read that letter that I wrote to Adrian, just thinking, I wonder, when, wonder what I said. 
Mm-hmm. And the words that I'd written for someone else seemed like someone else wrote them for me. I wow. cried and cried all the way through it. Wow. And that's when I decided to do something that was really different. I, I asked for permission from my publishers. Can I, in the middle of this, not afterwards where the, where the here's the looking back, but in the middle of that kind of pain, can I write a book hmm. on, um, on hope in the dark? And so that's, that's how the book was born. When, when you, it's interesting you mentioned that, that can I write this in the middle of it? Um, I think sometimes we feel like, you know, as pastors, we get, we get through the end of the journey or something. We get through the end of the trial and then we've got some words of wisdom to be able to speak back in retrospect on the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that conversation like with your publishers? Cause you know, I think that that would honestly, as someone who has uh, been following your ministry, that's something I'd love to hear mm-hmm. of what did, as Craig, as Pastor Craig Rochelle is writing this in the midst of his trial, what were the actual real doubts that began to creep into his head? What were the real questions that he began to ask? What were the, not just the, here are the phrases that we say on stage after mm-hmm. we've thought through it, processed it, submitted it to the Lord, figured out the, you know, the right way to, to process this in, in our, uh, in our sanctification, so to speak, mm-hmm. but like, in the middle of it, what mm-hmm. were the things that you were questioning? What were the things that you were doubting? Uh, so well, what I tried to do is I, I tried to write it as, as authentically and, and just kind of from a raw state as I could. Yeah. And my editor kept pushing back and saying, are you, are you sure you want to say that as a pastor? <laughs> and like, like, you know, you're going to get criticized for this. And so we, you know, we cleaned it up a little bit, but for the most part, it was, it's just born out of that, that rawness. Um, it wasn't only in the writing, but it's also just week to week. Like, uh, you know, I know mm-hmm. a little bit of your story, what you've been through yeah. and in the middle of massive tragedy and pain, you continue to show love and, right. and minister to people to, to one degree or another, depending on the, the time. And so, you know, I'm preaching a message on the healing power of God and my daughter's unable to be at church because she's mm-hmm. in bed. And so parts of me felt a little bit like a hypocrite, like, um, how am I going to believe for this when we're not seeing it? And then there was a little part of me that felt this really, like I never doubted God, but I felt a little bit betrayed. And it's embarrassing to say, but it's kind of like, Hey God, don't you know what our family is doing for you? Aren't you going to do this for us? And there was a little bit of like this entitled spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Hey, if anybody deserves it, she does, you know, uh, aren't you going to do this for us? And so, I, I could identify that and know that's not good theology, but at the time the feelings were so raw that mm. I didn't want good theology. I just wanted to be honest. Yeah, yeah, which I think is honestly is a, a very refreshing, you know. And that was the struggle I felt too, as I was stepping back up on stage and preaching two months after my wife is killed, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just saying these things that I've I've always preached, I've always taught, I've always, and I'm trying to say the same things, but I'm not sure if I really believe them right now. I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, and it's tough. What the, the, as, as you're walking through this, how, how, how important is it to be transparent in those situations, whether you're a pastor or not, whether you're just walking in this journey, I feel like there's a mm-hmm. level of importance of transparency. How would you advise somebody, you know, not to just doctor it up real quick, put a bandaid on it, but walk through it. You know, uh, you know I would say like, like never before, I think that's important. I, I, I don't know how you grew up, but 
um, we were in the church, but I, w- I wouldn't say we were faithfully serving Christ by any means, but, mm-hmm. but we were in a kind of a semi-Christian world. And there was kind of an implied pressure that you shouldn't ever really doubt. You shouldn't really have questions. You should kind of just always right. have strong faith or whatever. And so I think, I think I grew up with a little bit of that pressure and kind of wrong belief system. And then, especially as a pastor or someone who might feel like they're supposed to be a mature Christian, you feel this real pressure to, hey, I, I've got to always have answers and, yeah. and, and such. And when I, when I really look at Scripture, there's just some brutal honesty in there. Mm. There's uh, people that you know are kind of yelling at God, pushing back on God, that the book— um, is loosely based on the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, and this guy, man, he just—he's real, man. He doesn't—he doesn't hold back at all. Right. He's up into God's face, saying, "I don't like it. I don't think this is fair. Where are you? How long are you going to tolerate this? Where, you know, I can't defend you, God. <laughs> you, yeah. if, you, if you do something, I could, um, but because you're not, I, I feel like I can't. And so, I think there's power in that. I, I know you probably have a lot of people that are listening right now that have hurts and doubts. And I, I would just say, have the courage um, to be honest about it and and just don't let your doubts drive you away from God. Let them drive you to Him. Mm. Um, I, I think God would rather have you yell at Him um, than walk away from Him. Mm. Uh, just to be honest, He's big enough to handle it. And uh, and He will meet you in some way in the in the middle of your agony and pain. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned this Habakkuk book is, you know, like you said, loosely based on this prophet. Um, You know, as I was uh, going through ministry school, I had a prophet's class. And one of the things I noticed uh, in the story of some of these prophets is these are guys who are bringing words to uh, God's people, you know, words of Mm -hmm. warning or words of, um, you know, lamentation or, you know, sorrow or whatever it is, is different times for different seasons, different word for a different season, but they all seem to go through some pretty difficult things themselves personally. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's like a connection there when it comes to ministry that you're doing and your own personal, because I've had the same thought that you had that like, wait a minute, I'm doing ministry. I should be protected from this Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, like we're giving our lives for this. We're but there seems to be a connection. I'm watching pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor go through. And I'll be honest with you, Pastor Craig, I didn't realize some of some some of the pain that you had gone through until I read this book, Leadership Pain. And I think you kind of helped write some of that book, or you had an insert of some of that book, and you shared some pain that you'd walked through. And this mm-hmm. was right after Amanda passed away. And it helped me because I was like, here's this guy who is pastoring this church really well, and I've never heard of any of his pain he's walked through a whole lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that pain helped you as a minister to people? Well, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I think that's one of the things that, that really does, it gives us a soft heart, it gives us compassion for people. And it's, you know, to kind of, kind of loosely paraphrase, if, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. Mm. I think if you've, I think if you've endured much, you have much compassion. Yeah, You, you tend to care for people. And so, I, I don't know. I, I I would never say that a pastor's life is any harder because I see people that have um, really, really, really right. hard lives, much, right. much, much more difficult than, than mine would be. But I, I would say that there's probably, I do think we have an enemy who does tend to attack at one, in one way or another faithfulness. Mm. And so I think I think when you're faithful, you're probably going to endure some hard times. And then let's just be honest. I mean, even if you're even if you're not faithful at all, just living in this broken, sin-filled world, 
you're going to face some hard times. Right, right. And uh, I think in the Western version of Christianity, a lot of times we have kind of bad theology. We tend to think, well, if I'm serving God, this shouldn't happen. And yeah. that's just that's just not an accurate representation of Scripture or God. Um, the truth is, I mean, James said it, we can consider it. I mean, it's hard, really hard to do. Easy to preach, hard to live. Right, but we right. can consider it pure joy <laughs> whenever we face trials of many kinds because we know the testing of our faith, it does something. It develops mm. perseverance. It, 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 you know, loosely translated, it's it's going to make us more like Christ and less willing to give up. And the, you know, that the man you are today is different than the man you were years ago because mm. of what you've been through, and, and your your faith in Christ is different. Yeah, uh, that's so. <laughs> I've sat down with people and had this conversation. In fact, sometimes I rally my team with this, like, "Hey, guys." The enemy's attack is evidence that we're being faithful, that we're on the right track, that we're... But it's funny how I'm trying to motivate them with that, but to many people, that's actually demotivating, it could seem. Mm -hmm. It's like, be faithful. The the enemy will attack even more. You know what I mean? Uh How do you help to pastor people through that reality? Because it's true, but what would you say to someone who's like, well, I don't... Okay, maybe I don't want to be faithful then. Maybe I I don't want anything to do with this because the enemy is going to attack me even more. I, I, yeah, I think I think we're we're going to be attacked one way or, or the other. Mm-hmm. We're going we're we're going to have challenges one way or the other. I'd yeah. rather I'd rather have the challenges that come along with faithfulness and the challenges that come along with apathy. Mm. And <laughs> and so, you know, choose your pain. Kind yeah. of um, do you do you want to do something? It's like it's like criticism. Um, you know, if you do something significant, you're going to be criticized. Right. So would I rather avoid? Um, criticism and sit at home and do nothing. Yeah, you know, of course not. And so I, I think we try to motivate mm. people. The goal is faithfulness, no matter what. The rewards of faithfulness outweigh the pain of the opposition. Uh, eventually, yeah, we just keep, keep keep our eye focused where it, where it matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it says that for the joy set before him, Jesus right. endured the cross. You yes. know that there was yep. something on the other side of the cross that a reward that was even greater. So good than the suffering that he was going to endure. Mm-hmm. How how has this experience personally caused you? Not you know, not Craig Rochelle, the pastor, the minister, mm-hmm. the person who has influence over tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of even more people. How has this affected you in your personal relationship with Jesus? Um, I would say there are times when I would say I'm closer to Jesus than I ever have been before. And there are other times where I've been emptier. Mm. And sometimes sometimes I say empty in a good way, and other times I'd say empty in not a good way. Mm. You know, just um, uh, sometimes when, I, when I'm kind of empty and it's the, you know, when I'm weak, he's strong, where I know he's yeah. with me and carrying me. And there are other times when I'm just like empty like I can't feel anymore, I can't pray anymore, I can't do anymore, and so I'm just going to be empty. Don't I don't feel a lot, right. you know? Um, right. And I, and so it's in those times I just try to get up and do the right thing the next day and, and move on. And and mm-hmm. and again, I don't want to state. I mean, I know there's hundreds of people listening right now that would say hey, it's not that big a deal compared to what they're going through. So it's not like it's not like she's she's you know like you lost somebody. I haven't lost my daughter. Um, but I have, I have watched her suffer. And right, so, exactly. Well, I was going to actually ask you that question. It's interesting. You said that, um, I'll just jump to it. Um, watching a loved one suffer mm-hmm. 
I think, it, it, okay, well, first of all, there's no way to compare pain. You really can't. Mm -hmm. We say that a lot. Mm -hmm. You can't compare a bite to a bee sting. Pain is pain. Mm -hmm. It hurts no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's really futile to try to compare it. Mm -hmm. But I would say that watching um, your daughter suffer has is a unique um, pain to what 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 I experienced. Mm -hmm. And so how has that been? Because there are going to be a lot of people who have had similar type of pain mm -hmm. watching their kids suffer, whether it's suffer, um, you know, uh, not maybe not physically, but suffer with with some well, kind of might, emotional maybe, thing. Or some, they may be yeah. rejected or battle depression exactly, or an addiction, exactly. you, all sorts of things. How have, have as a parent? How have you? How how do you deal with that? How do you walk through that? You know, I, I think the the blessing that we have is that we're really close, mm. and so there's going to be. I know there are going to be parents who's maybe ch a child's addicted or in a in a painful situation or whatever. And, and when you don't have the relationship that kind of compounds the pain. Mm -hmm. So I think when, whenever possible, what we want to do is, is, um, I don't want, I don't want to be needy. I don't want to create more of a burden for her. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, um, there was one time she's like, I don't want to tell you what I'm going through because I know it hurts you. I don't mm -hmm. want that. What I want to do is I just want to be present in the pain with her and hurt together um, and, and let her know that's okay. That's part of being, that's part of being a family. That's part of being the family of Christ. Uh, so it's, you know, you, you know, you, you do anything to trade places with right. them. As, um, and so I think it's just being, um, w when possible, being raw, being real, not feeling like we have to have answers all the time, not feeling like every problem is something to solve because some things we just can't solve right now. Yeah. And having a contentment with, you know, we are together today. We have this day, we have this moment and, and trying to embrace that. Um, cause we spent the first year and a half trying to solve it nonstop. Yeah, right. And, uh, and we haven't solved it yet, but we are trying to embrace the moments as we, yeah. as we do the next right thing. I imagine maybe you're nothing like me, but you know, I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old and I'm trying to shape their little minds with this mm -hmm. Christian worldview. And have you, has it been tempting to, cause I just heard you say the best thing for you to do is just be present. Mm -hmm. Has it been tempting for you as a dad to try to come in and just, Hey, let's talk about what maybe God is doing here. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. and, and kind of put a theological blanket over this thing for her or, how has that process been for you? Because I know a lot of folks, that's that's their go-to when it comes mm -hmm. to helping a friend out, you know, I, I or helping. I, yeah, it's a good question. I try to be gentle about that because, you know, when someone's hurting, they don't really want a sermon. Yeah. Even if they, even if the sermon's a good sermon, they, they most of the time they don't want that. Yeah. And then what it was interesting is one time I was kind of gently trying to encourage her, and she actually she she corrected me. I said. I said, Mandy, I'm really proud of the way you're enduring this, and um, and you know what, and you're handling what you know God allowed. And she she said, wait, wait, wait. She said, she said, I I'm not using those words. She said, I'm not saying aloud, um, even though that may be true. She's also said, I'm not using the word endured because mm -hmm. that's like a passive response to something that's happening to me. She said, I, I'm saying, I'm choosing to embrace this. Wow. That God is good. God is sovereign. He is over everything. He loves me. He's in this. And so I'm trying to embrace his goodness and, and see what does he want to do in the middle of it. And I just kind of sat back and thought, well, there you go. You know, they're pre preached to your dad, the preacher, because that, <laughs> that really is good. Um, 
And in my attempt to bring a little theological comfort to her, she basically brought theological conviction back to me. Wow. Wow. That's a good little uh, sidestep, if you don't mind us going there, because I'm sure we have a lot of parents who are listening who have young kids, and you have six kids, is that right? Uh, six kids, yes. Man, six kids with all the busyness that you, you know, that you, the, all the, of the, the ministry that you lead, and you guys have seemingly done a, a, a really good job in um, making sure that your family is, uh, is together, unified. I'm sure there's just like everybody ebbs and flows of all of that, but also mm-hmm. loving the Lord, serving the Lord. sounds like Mandy has a really strong relationship, deep relationship with the Lord. How have you mm-hmm. fostered that as a parent and as a pastor, mm-hmm. where oftentimes we see pastors are sacrificing their family on the altar of ministry. How have you yep. fostered that and cultivated that from an early age? We've, um, we've tried, we tried not to make the church a competing entity. We're like, you know, dad's at home now, now we're at the church, mm-hmm. you know, dad's at the church. And so we tried to make it all a part of one that we, we are not just, I'm not just the pastor of the church, but we are contributors to the church. So my kids feel like a, a part of it. I think, um, to, you know, I have to give Amy, my wife, a lot of credit because she's just, she, she she home educated our kids. I, I used to say we did, but that'd be a lie. She did it. <laughs> you know, I paid for the books and she did the work. Uh, and and then to be quite honest, the the church has just been a great great blessing. Meaning, mm. uh, my kids were raised um, with incredibly strong Christian friends. Mm. They had incredible spiritual mentors. They um, were able, other people helped invite them in to use their gifts early. They've been serving for years and years. So now all of my kids, they serve multiple services on the weekend. They're wow. grounded in it. And so it's kind of like, you know, I've, we've, we've really had a lot of help from the body of Christ. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I would take very little credit for where they are. I'd give God um, a lot of praise and I give people a lot of credit for, um, you know, being good examples. It, mm. It's interesting how, you know, you've got a four and five-year-old, you can tell them one thing, but if, um, you know, a buddy's mom tells them something else, <laughs> it, it, it often means more, yep. especially when they're teenagers. And so yeah. putting them around other people to be um, completing or complementing voices, is, it really matters. Wow. That's really good. You know, uh, one of the things that's always really... Um, I think as I've watched your ministry from a distance and, you know, been to conferences and heard you teach and uh, you talk about having this healthy balance of family and, and life and ministry and um, maybe balance isn't the right word because sometimes it doesn't feel like a balance. Mm-hmm, it feels like right. you're juggling a lot of stuff. But um, in this season, you you referenced feeling like you were on empty, sometimes mm-hmm. not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Has that is first of all, let me do a two-part question. One, how important is that juggling that work-life thing mm-hmm. before you're in a trial? You know, mm-hmm. like when things seem to be going really well. And then, how does that shift? Does it change? Does that rhythm of life change when you're going through a crisis, especially one with your family? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're all going to be in seasons of challenge eventually. It's just a, it's a part of life. So, what I want to do is I want to have. I want to be strong going into it and not try to get strong later. For example, let's say I got physically sick. Um, if I'm out of weight, over, uh, overweight, out of shape, haven't been eating good, then I've got two problems. I've got to mm-hmm. overcome a, a, a physical challenge, and I've got a, a body that's not healthy yeah. to do it. So I, I'm, I'm starting in not a great place. What I want to do is I want to have my my spiritual ducks in a row, my relational ducks in a row. I want to, I want mm-hmm. to be 
in a better place so when we do face the challenge, we're facing it out of unity and strength, not now I've got a challenge with a healthy, uh, an, unha- an unhealthy daughter and I've got a marriage challenge at the yeah, meantime. Right. And so the, uh, the unhealthy daughter doesn't complicate an already challenged marriage. Right. Uh, and so that's, that just takes hard work in this, you know, there's no, there's no substitute for doing the right things to invest in the people around you, guarding it. If you, the way our world is today, it seems to me like it's gotten worse in the last few years, mm. just with, the ability to be distracted nonstop by your phone, mm. um, the way our kids' programming goes, and you'll, if you're not seeing it yet with a four and five year old, you will. They will have you busy every weekend. They'll, they will keep a normal person away from church, yeah. away from each other, right. um, away away from family. They literally, you can you can uh, replace anything that resembles family in three different places on the weekend with kids activities. Wow. Yeah. And so if, if you're not incredibly intentional now, the way the culture is moving will, will rob you from the things you want the most. Mm. Man, have you, um, during this season, especially, have you found yourself in certain moments where maybe you didn't have the, uh, maybe, you know, in a normal quote unquote, normal season, um, where your daughter is healthy, where things to be going seem to be going well at home, you know, maybe as you go into work and you're leading high caliber, high capacity, you feel like you're on high octane, you're mobile, you're fit, you're ready for the task. Have you found yourself in situations in a leadership standpoint where you're like, I don't have the emotional energy to handle this or deal with this at work right now and had to have you have you walked through that at all and had to be kind of pulled back or how has that yeah. transpired over the past couple of years with this? I would say even when things are good and there's not trials, there's times when it just seems like too much. And so mm. it could be it could be the greatest season ever, and I still feel depleted, drained, and like this is gonna this is gonna be difficult to to do whatever it is. You know, um, go cast vision for something or have a difficult conversation with someone or go into the the uh, hospital room with a three year old dying of cancer. Yeah. You know, th- there's mm. just times when you feel that. Um, in a, I think in a, in a trial, like we're going through, there's a couple of extremes. There's those times when you're, um, you just sense the presence of God, you know, he's with you. And mm-hmm. even though things are horrible, spiritually, you're in a great place. Then there are those other times where you are so empty, where you just, you can't do anything. And then he kind of carries you and, and takes you mm-hmm. through. So, um, I, I don't I can't think of a time where I've stepped away and said I cannot do this assignment, you know, but there have been too many times to count where I walked into it on the front end thinking, I'm not sure I'm gonna get this thing done, and on mm-hmm. the back end of it saying, Thank you, God, you carried us through. Wow. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um this conversation of pain, suffering, it seems to be kind of on the rise. Like if I take a look at, maybe it's just because it's 24 hour news and maybe it's because there's a lot of access to it, social, social media, but Mm -hmm. there seems to be a lot of hardship in the world. Um, as you're pastoring people and people are asking the question now, you know, I mean, they've always asked this question, but they're asking how the evidence of all this pain and suffering, how in the world could there be a good and loving God as Mm -hmm. we're trying to communicate to people? Mm -hmm. What do you tell people when they ask those kinds of questions? Well, I t- it's, man, I kind of agree with you. It seems like there is, and maybe we're just more aware, it seems like there's more pain. Mm. Also, having a chronically sick daughter, 
I'm become more aware of how many chronically ill people there mm, are. I just, yeah, I, right. I, I knew some, but now that I know, I know hundreds, I know thousands. And so it seems like, you know, I'm kind of wondering how much, what's, what's in the soil. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like a lot of sick people. Yeah. Uh, I did a deal. I went to, um, I went, I think it was to Ecuador and, uh, with um Honduras with um Compassion International uh-huh. and we were in a real poor village and there was a lady that had lost several children that had died um of different things and she had a few living children she lived next to a dump in a it was you know you've probably seen cardboard esque houses mm-hmm. no running water no floor that the rain would wash through there and it was more like a little river through her her hat her hut than a, right. than anything else and uh, the president of Compassion asked me to pray for her, and I didn't know I I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was so mm-hmm. I was hurting for her, and so what he did is he went and he prayed um, for the glory of heaven, which was to come. And mm-hmm. she cried and cried and cried through it. And uh, on the outside, I felt really inadequate and said I I didn't even know what to pray. He said <laughs> he said um, where we live, we're so blessed that we try to fight off pain and and buy our way into a good life. He said, where she lives, um, all she has is the hope of heaven. Yeah. And that's often enough. Uh, yeah. And I, I never will forget that moment. I, I would say we do live in a broken world. I, I cannot explain and you know why what happened to your previous wife, mm-hmm. why that happened. Right. Um, wouldn't ever try to give it an answer. But I, I do know and believe with all my heart in the goodness of God I do believe in the hope and glory of um, a heaven where the, where he wipes away the tears, where there is no more suffering. Yeah. Um, the book of Habakkuk uh, that you know wrote the book from uh, the name Habakkuk it means both to embrace and to wrestle, which I love. Hmm. I think there's times when we when we wrestle with God. I don't like this. I don't understand. I wish this weren't going on. But at the same time, we wrestle. We also embrace. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hanging on to you. I'm not letting go. I don't understand. I don't like it, but I'm not letting go. That's so and, good. Thank you. Uh, it's like Jacob wrestling with God, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. I think it's interesting, Pastor Craig, you know, we say that phrase a lot. We live in a blessed country. We live in a blessed nation. And you're right. We we do. When you look at it from the surface, we seem to be a little bit more from a wealth standpoint blessed. But my dad grew up in Haiti. He's a missionary's kid. So talk about third world country. And we took me over there when I was 12. I had a very similar experience. They seem happier. (laughs) Yes. Yes, They seem more blessed. More content, I do, right. And then maybe we just have blessing backwards. It's bizarre. I know. (laughs) I I felt the same thing. Why do they have so little and they seem so contented and and we have so much and seem so dissatisfied? Yeah, I know. I know. And and I think a lot of it may have to do with the fact that they recognize and embrace that there is pain, but God is good through the midst of it. At least those who are following Jesus. I mean, I watched Mm -hmm. people walk for miles with no shoes to church, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's not an exaggeration. That's not like your grandpa saying, oh, we walked uphill both ways in the snow. This is for real. And um, and it's just an incredible thing to see that. And it's like their hope and their eyes were set on eternity. Mm -hmm. And we get, I feel like, very um, blinded and and shrouded to eternity because of all the stuff, distractions here and now. Um, So, you know, one of the things that I... Personally, this is probably more of a personal question, Pastor Craig, and then we've got tens of thousands of listeners that get to listen in on this. <laughs> but if you're, you know, you have done so much counseling to a lot of leaders, pastors, people who are trying to, um, you know, help people, lead people, pastor people, lead organizations. And 
Um, when someone walks through, a leader walks through a really difficult trial, um, like myself or like you or countless of other leaders who quite possibly are listening to this, um, it's unique because you're helping other people walk through their trials. I remember mm-hmm. feeling this this need to try to like pastor our staff and our people through the loss of Amanda while mm-hmm. I'm trying to get pastored. And, you know, mm-hmm. how would you advise someone who is in the middle in the throes of leading people as they're trying to lead people through trial and pain and suffering if they go through themselves something mm-hmm. really difficult? I, yeah, I think we, as as leaders, we tend to think, you know, we give, we push, we, we, we move. Um, we have to receive mm. back. If it's um, if all we can do is give and never receive, then we rob the people around us from the blessing of giving back to us. And so, you know, I I can imagine you felt the pressure to mm-hmm. continue loving and pastoring people, but I can also I'm certain that um, the only reason you're here today is because you were able to turn around and let some people yeah. that normally receive from you give back to you. Yeah. And uh, I think as as it, it takes, you have to humble yourself to do that. Yeah. You have to you have to not always be in the position of authority, not always be the person that has the answers, but sometimes the one that asks the questions and let someone else, you know, bring the answers they care. Mm. That's awesome. Pastor Craig, thanks so much. Can we, uh, we've actually never done this on an episode, but can we close this episode by praying for your daughter? Yeah, man, that would mean the world. Thank you. Her name is Um, Mandy. Okay. Then I'm just going to invite anybody who's listening right now to also, wherever you're at, to bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you're not, if you're listening in the car, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Yeah, don't do that. Watch and pray (laughs) if you're driving. Yes, watch (laughs) and pray. But um, let's go together to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just right now want to lift up Mandy. And um, we have no idea why. I know the doctors are looking into it, but you know why. And you've got all of her story already written. This doesn't take you by surprise. Um, it may make the Groeschels feel anxious or worried, but Lord, I pray in the midst of it that, they're, uh, that they would lean more on you, that they would trust in you more, that they would put their hope in you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give Mandy strength. Um, even if her physical strength is failing, Lord, I pray that you would give her emotional and spiritual strength. Help her to feel a closeness and intimacy to you that she has never felt before. But Lord, we ask and pray that you would put your hand of healing on her life and that there would be a miraculous healing in a way that the doctors can't explain so that hundreds of thousands of people witness a miracle. God, I I believe that um, you have put her life on display and Pastor Craig's life on display to show um, your great work and to show off your glory. And so, God, we ask for that. We pray that you would um, that you would do a miracle. We know that that you can, you have all throughout Scripture, and we see you still intersect our lives with miraculous, miraculous feats. And so we ask that you would do that, and we um, give this situation to you in your name. We pray, mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Hey, thank you, man. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you hanging out with us on the podcast. The, yeah, the book for, for those it. of you guys is Hope in the Dark, and you definitely want to pick up a copy of that. I heard it was sold out for a while. Is it? It was. It was available for two days, and it was sold out for three weeks, <laughs> and then available again and sold out. And I, hopefully, uh, whenever this airs, there'll be some books available. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, it's an honor to talk to you. It's an honor to meet you, and thanks so yep. much for um, for just uh, gracing us with this. It's great, yeah, man. You as well. I thank God for the way He's using you and uh, blessing your family, your church, and we've, we we uh, prayed for you and cheered you on from a distance. Mm. It's an honor to talk to you in person. Thank you, man. Thank you. 
What a cool interview. I know. I know. That was like, I think that's like a bucket list for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, really cool. Really cool. I just uh, appreciate his, um, he's been in the game for a long time. Yeah. And so his faithfulness to stay in the game, but also through a lot of trial, his mm-hmm. faithfulness to stay in the game. It gives me hope that it's like, hey, no matter what we go through, we can continue to be steadfast and we can continue to trust in in the Lord through every circumstance. And so just a really, really cool opportunity yeah. to be able to interview him. For sure. Well, we'd love to continue to connect uh, you guys as our listeners to Craig Rochelle and all the resources that he has. Um, and so the best way for you to get a hold of some of those resources or learn more about them is to visit the podcast page. And so you can find that at davyblackburn.com slash podcast. Uh, and this is episode 36. So on that podcast page, what you can find are links to his books, um, resources that'll connect you to Life Church, uh, the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, so yeah. many things. Oh, so man. head over to that podcast page, davyblackburn.com slash podcast. We absolutely wear out his podcast. At least I do. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like listening to it all the time. And it's an incredible one on leadership and, and life and just a really, really great podcast. So um, as usual, we want to make sure that we thank Ryan O'Neill, Sleeping at Last, for providing all the music for this. Thank you, Ryan, for... Um, your friendship and for providing this and make sure you check out his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. Yeah. And I don't want to sign off yet until you guys listen to this teaser from the next episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. So check this one out as we sign off. I remember getting that phone call from the doctor, you know, uh, I mean, I've heard sermons where people talk about that call that you get yeah. Um, you know, I'd done stories about people who'd received calls like that. And, you know, so here I am getting the phone call, you know, Nick, my friend, it doesn't look good is what the doctor said. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I remember having kind of this out of body experience where I was like, I remember thinking to myself, isn't this the point where I'm supposed to break down in tears? I'm supposed to woe is me essentially shake my fist at god yeah and say like what is about like didn't wasn't it just a year ago that i was recovering from this near fatal wreck you rescued me then Mm. you 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 pulled me out of you know um the mire you know then right so why would you allow this to happen yeah but it was almost like i was having this internal monologue where it's like but I don't feel that way. Hmm. Like, why don't I feel that way? What I feel right now is protected. What I feel right now is that you are calling me into a battle where I am going to be strengthened and you are going to fight for me. Wow. Like you, Jesus. Um, and, and it was the most craziest kind of feeling to, to know that I, I wasn't scared and I wasn't, I wasn't doubting. I, di- I didn't have any lack of clarity about what this was about. Right. Um, this was a this was about my good. Wow. And and it wasn't that God had done it. It wasn't that like you know he was. Oh well, I know how I need to grow this man in faith and character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give him this you know <laughs> this challenge. It, it didn't feel like that at all. It just felt yeah. like you know Nick, I can trust you with this. Yeah.